cling to it. If it had more time to finish, it would have looked and sounded and acted just like Denny's. I don't know what you're saying. That was one of those things out there, trying to imitate him, Gary. A research team in Antarctica is hunted by a shape-shifting alien that assumes the appearance of its victims. No, it's not the Republican National Convention. We're talking about the classic sci-fi horror, the greatest sci-fi well, sci-fi horror film of all time. The Thing from 1982, John Carpenter's absolute classic, and we have a special guest here tonight to talk about it. My name is Shannon Young. This is Extras and Epilogues. God bless. On the Podzilla 1985 network, I'm still I'm still nervous about that interview I did with Damone Salavino, the Nephilim. It's it's still inside of me. Uh, with me, of course, tonight I have my co-host slash other host, Double H. That's right, uh, Shannon. You anybody touches me, we go. Uh, and speaking of untouched, our special guest tonight, uh, one of the biggest Thing fans that I know of. Someone whose love of the thing cost me a potential girlfriend, uh, Stephen Bright. You know, gentlemen, I would prefer if I'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, endlessly quotable, this film. It's one of the absolute best. It's good to be back on Extras and Epilogues. I do want to mention, we, we've said for the past couple of weeks that we were going to do election that is going to happen. Man. We are saving it for the look. 2024 election. So sometime next year, <laughs> look, just look, so stop. We said we were going to do a lot of things. Yeah. Um, at the end of the last episode we did, which, by the way, was three weeks ago, three August weeks 23rd. Ago. We've had, well, we've had PWU news. since then. Yeah. Right. And then we had, we had a week off because we were both just beaten down. I'm still um, sick. But uh, I'm Lenny. <laughs> but uh, at the end of the of the Matrix episode with Kaz, we talked about doing being John Malkovich is the next one. That failed. It turns out you can't get being John Malkovich without paying four dollars for it, and we're cheap. So That's, that is true. Uh, <clears throat> that is true. If it's not streaming on one of the sixteen streaming services, I'm paying fifteen dollars a month a piece for. Right. I'm good. I'm good. Um, <clears throat> so we flip to election. Uh, our guest fell through for election the first time. Then we got PWU. PWU had to take a break. So, uh, yeah, we're we'll back. We're, we will. I have it written up. Like the notes are ready to They're go. Ready to just go. whenever we, we whenever to, we get to. It. We just have to find somebody else that's interested in the movie election. Turns out not everyone uh, are cinephiles <clears throat> like Hunter and I. So. Um, well, I was just yeah. talking to Steven about it, and he seems yeah. really interested. So maybe we put it Ooh. off for a little while, and then we bring, bring Steven back, back to talk yeah. about it. Well, because so, it'll be totally fresh for him. So the reason yeah. we're doing the thing tonight, uh, and it's good to have Steven back on the show, of course. Steven, I think the last time you were on was also the thing. It was the thing versus um, Alien, wasn't it? Xenomorphs. Yeah. yeah. Was that the last one? I uh, I don't know if that's the that very last the show. Did, but... Didn't oh, I do the we did Dragon story? We drag him on. We, oh, he did do the story. Yeah, the Halloween story. And then yeah. also... Oh, that's right. And then we yeah. also did drag Fallout. him... Uh, we also dragged him onto the show not too long ago, unexpectedly, and he did say, please don't ever do that again. And, <laughs> you did. And you sure did. We've uh, At we've, least this time, it was my own. You so, knew, so real quick, look. <laughs> everything about election has been bad news because we've been trying to figure out when we're going to make it happen. But here's here's the good news. We actually did, and we'll, I think we should save it and tell you at the end of the show, but Shannon and I earlier today solidified the lineup for October. That's so true. October is a is a huge month around PZ85 for basically every show. We yeah. usually do a horror-themed PZ85 plays. Um, we're bringing back the Hallows Eve Tales this year after mm -hmm. that was such a big success last year. Yeah. Uh, PZA, are, are You Afraid of PZ85 After Dark comes back on Thursdays? <clears throat> slash Tanner Thursday, because he'll kill me if I don't say that, too. That's true. <clears throat> so horror theme stuff for those shows uh, and extras and epilogues will do the same so um, we'll give you that rundown at the end of this show I, I am going to add one extra uh, <clears throat> one extra extras and epilogues to the end it, it might it might be after the fact or beforehand to get people ready for it but there's one well, horror movie in particular that I, I have to do in case we know, in case we don't do this show let, let's say for instance 
something catastrophic uh, catastrophe happens that either I am unable to perform shows anymore for reasons or we just shut the show down whatever um, there's one movie that I desperately want to do because it's my favorite one so I, I wanted to throw that in the mix but I didn't want to not do any of the ones you suggested because I all I like all of yeah. those options so <clears throat> so there's there's for what it's worth there's four um, four Halloweens there's four yes. Wednesdays <clears throat> four Wednesdays in October um, but Halloween is on a Tuesday, so we could do the one you're talking about as the very last, the very first day of November, like literally right the day after Halloween. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine with that to to wrap it all up. Um, with, yeah. the, with the great, what I believe to be the greatest horror film of all time, and we'll say I'll tell you what that is at the Ooh. end of the show. I'm, I'm sure some of Ooh. you already can already guess. Stephen, be quiet. Um, it, I, I, I often I go back and forth between this movie The Thing and this other movie as what my favorite horror film of all time is so like I said a lot of people probably already guessed it but we'll reveal it here at the end but speaking of, of wrestling just really quick Hunter before we jump into this some I saw something on um, Instagram that I wanted to mention before I forget and since we're not doing PW this yeah. week although you know we, we talked about how we didn't want to do PW anymore because you know we're not interested in a lot of what happens in wrestling and then in the past week I think we've done three episodes of PW almost back to back to back well you had, had CM Punk basically implode over yeah. at AEW and I mean we did not talk about it so yeah and then the, of course the Damone Salavino interview uh, yesterday by the right. way uh, wrestlers debuted today on Netflix which uh, Damone is, is a big part of so make sure you go yep. check that out I can't wait to watch it but I was uh, scrolling through my Instagram during one of my visits to the, the um, bathroom latrine yeah well, I was going to say uh, you Le- changed it to latrine <laughs> what did it used to be <laughs> well, shit house it's a good change good change uh but I, as i was scrolling through and i was getting ready to come in here and do the show i i follow you, you know and this is horror related actually and movie related one of my favorite movie critics of all time is joe bob briggs and i love joe oh, bob yeah. briggs he's fantastic you'll drive in you drive in and he uh monster vision <laughs> on tnt was a staple yeah. of my life growing up and now of course he has the uh the drive-in show on shutter and he does that show with a young lady very very uh, lovely young lady and I think she's fantastic Darcy the male girl and Darcy is a huge wrestling fan and I know that because she would often post pictures of her at like AEW and uh, she they had Jericho on their show once she's a big AEW fan so she started a podcast about AEW which I think is very very cool um, and they've, they've talked Joe Bob Briggs into appearing on the show now and I don't think Joe Bob Briggs likes wrestling, and I don't think he uh, he appreciates AEW as much as Darcy does. And I saw a clip, and I, I there was from the podcast, and I turned it up to listen to it. And the what Joe Bob was saying was he was criticizing the promos on AEW. He said in forty five, it was in forty in forty seconds they had forty five cliches. And he said, when, when, when CM Punk quit, uh, when CM Punk got fired from AEW, did the writers quit in solidarity? And I'm like, oh my God. Oh, and, the, and the look on the oh. other the other people's faces because they are big AEW fans and they are there to yeah. like hype AEW. And now you've got Joe Bob Briggs on there just demolishing it. It was fantastic. Anywho, that's good. Anywho, that's good. Let's get back into extras and epilogues. Of course, we are talking about the thing released June fifth, nineteen eighty two, directed by John Carpenter, starring the uh, the great Kurt Russell, um, Keith David, of course, Wilfred Brimley, the Oats guy, and this is and the diabetes guy, diabetes guy, diabetes. Uh, this is part one, I believe, of John Carpenter's Apocalypse trilogy. Along with yes. Prince of Darkness and um, at the, mouth, the of mouth of Madness, yeah, yep. in the mouth of Madness, yep. I always get that and at the Mountains of Madness mixed up. I always yeah. combine them. Uh, it's one of my favorite trilogies. All three movies are fantastic, but the thing is definitely the best. I I don't even need to look at the notes for this one because I have studied this movie forwards and backwards for years. In fact, I actually released. You remember I released a history of the thing a couple years ago yeah. when, when we were talking about doing more video content and that that never happened. Right. Um, the thing was released to you know now is considered this huge cult uh classic it's an icon of the sci-fi and horror genre but at the time it was really torn apart by critics roger ebert hated it a lot of critics hated it um it came out around the same time as et very different films about aliens 
Um, that was yeah, so, what, like it, three weeks after? It was think? very close. Together. Yeah, it was very yeah. close. And yeah. in that same year, so so the big story from that year really was that E.T. was the big hit, but you had two other major sci-fi bombs that would go on to be revered as some of the greatest sci-fi films of all time. The Thing is one of them. You remember the other one? Uh, No. no 82? No. Blade Runner. Blade Runner came out in 82 as well, and again, was a a commercial flop, but a critical darling. Yeah, Yeah, to be fair, the 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 theatrical version had a lot of changes that uh, Ridley Scott just, it wasn't like his movie that they released, and then the whole director's cut became a thing because of that movie, because... Theaters yeah. released the wrong or showed the wrong one. Which nowadays director's cuts are a fairly common place, but um, that that's oh, yeah. happened numerous times. I remember uh, Aliens. I, I believe it was Aliens, or maybe it was Alien. I forget which one it was. Um, also had a big director's cut that came out because the director, which I believe was James Cameron, it may have been Ridley Scott, was unhappy with the the product that they put on there. It was Aliens. It was Aliens because I remember they specifically cut a scene where uh, Ridley, played by Sigourney Weaver, was looking at like pictures of her daughter and kind of learning about that. And that was a scene that he really wanted in the film and they had cut. Um so yeah, it's it's not unheard I remember of. That. Yeah, I think the version I watched was the director's cut because remember that scene. It's, it's the better version. Watched it the first time last year, if I remember right. It's now, a phenomenal movie. Oh, it is. Both, I, uh, first, first two, phenomenal. I I would I would argue that the third movie is really good, especially if you watch the uh, I think it's called the assembly cut. I want to say it's another one where they. Um, the, the pieced gr- it together. They pieced it together, and they they put a lot of stuff in that they took out. And I think Alien Three was the last good Alien film, but that's another story I, for another time. Yeah, I need to get that one to watch. <laughs> a movie that you didn't have to do a director's cut for is The Thing, because it is perfection. Um, spoiler yep. alert! I'm just gonna say it right now. Two thumbs way up for me on this one. It is the like I said, the best sci-fi horror film of all time. It is a remake of a I think 1954 film. Uh, the thing 54 from 54 or 51. I can't remember which one off the top of my head. But yeah, yeah. Uh, based on a, a story um, that was written before that. Who it, goes it, there? Yeah, and you're right. 51. That which movie. They- Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Sorry go ahead. I was, was going to say, starring James Arness. My dad loved him from Gunsmoke. I love James Arness. He was the titular creature in that film. Um, it was a good movie. And it, 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 it did better on its release than The Thing from 82 did on its release. I mean, I mean that's why I got a remake. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it, it was actually was like a financially successful movie back in the day. Which The Thing was not, the 82 version. Again, crit- critically panned when it came out, uh, unsuccessful at the box office. It, it seemed like it was destined to fail. In fact, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, John Carpenter almost quit uh, directing and, and yeah. lost a lot of jobs because of The Thing, which is nowadays sounds absolutely insane because The Thing is such a classic. Like, if you ever... And I, sh- I joke, I kid you not. I kid you not. I'm dead serious about this. Every time I, I start dating a girl, if I meet somebody and we start dating, the first movie I show them is The Thing. I'm not kidding. I did it with, uh, <laughs> I did it with Maria. I did it with all these girls that I that I've dated, uh, you know, in the past couple of years. And if they can't handle The Thing, then we ain't meant to be. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is a good litmus test, I think, of of how things are gonna go. Um. It's gory, it's violent, it's it's absolutely disgusting in parts, and it is fantastic. It's one of the best horror films just in general, followed up by a good but not great prequel starring uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Tanner, if you're listening, of course, Hera from uh, Ahsoka, I know you're watching, she was the star in that. The big problem with that film was they replaced the practical effects with CGI, which looked terrible. Steven, one of the yeah. big things that the thing from 82 had going for it was the special effects. They were revolutionary. Absolutely. No, they, that's my favorite part of the film, just the grotesque Imaging, I, images, images. <laughs> yeah, I got choked. No, I was oh. gonna say I, and I know we're gonna do this. We got to do this. Um, one hundred percent, my favorite, favorite shot, and I lose all the character names, even though I literally just watched it. But uh, it's it's the guy who the doctor's chest hands and yeah. going through his chest. Yeah, not not Nulls? not that no. part though. No, it's not yeah. Nulls. He dies later in the movie. That's it's not him. It's not that part, but my favorite shot in the whole thing, and the one that always gets me, is when his head detaches and yes. starts dragging yes. itself across the floor. Yes. 
I'm watching that going, how did they, how, how in 1982 Not did just, you make it look they, so they much it. like his head? Yeah. Oh, gotcha. it's bizarre, and, and, man. And not just that his head pulls off, important to note, then grows antenna and spider legs and crawls and away. <laughs> and that, that is actually, uh, that's also my favorite scene in the oh, film, but not, man. not just that part, but when they all see it running away and he just goes, you gotta be fucking kidding me. You gotta be fucking <laughs> kidding. <laughs> oh, it's so um, good. They wanted that line. If I read it correctly, they wanted that uh, Carpenter originally wanted that line to be read off screen as they were pulling in onto, uh, to, uh, McCready's face. And I think it was Kurt Russell who was like, no, 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 you need his face when he says yeah, this. And so yeah. they kind of, they slowed it down so you can see him saying it, but then it still pulls in on a creep. But the dude's face, when he just goes, you got to be fucking kidding. It's so good. <laughs> so if you've never seen the thing really quick, of course, this is a very spoiler heavy show. Uh, turn away, really turn away on this one if you haven't watched the movie. Go watch the if film. You- if you haven't tuned into extras and epilogues yet, here's the deal for the show. Don't listen to this until you watch the movie. Yeah, It's uh, on Peacock. You can go watch it right now. It's super easy to get and watch. Especially a movie like this because the first time you watch it, the big part of it is not knowing what's what. Uh, the story is <laughs> yeah. about a you know a station in Antarctica, I'm having trouble speaking tonight, that um, in the opening shot, which again, if you watch the prequel that came out a couple years ago, one of the things I really loved about it is the end to that movie directly goes into the beginning of this film. Yep. And they used the yeah. original footage for it too. Yeah, like they got footage that they didn't use and yeah, put it in the movie. And and I honestly would have never uh, noticed that it was original footage from yeah. the uh, first movie. Yeah, it, it was, it, they they did a great job with that. I'll give them that. They did, and I thought it was a good film too. It's just you know, my God, when you go yeah, against just, a classic like this, it's hard yeah. to compare. Um, right. The opening to this film, we'll, we'll go over it again. If you haven't seen it, please go watch it. But um, this dog comes into their camp being chased by a helicopter and uh, a guy shooting at it. He doesn't speak their language. And if unfortunately, if you speak his language, he spoils the entire movie in the very beginning. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes, he does. Because <laughs> he's, oh, he's, he's yelling at them as they're all like, you know, pointing guns at him, like, calm down, calm down. And he's aiming this gun at the dog. And I think what he says is something like, that's not really a dog. It's a monster. Or get away. Like yeah, get away. Yeah. It's not a dog. They end up killing the guy because, you know, he shoots one of them and, and just seems like deranged. Uh, this dog, of course, is um, possessed, Take uh, is, is, a, is a duplicate of the thing that then proceeds to duplicate and replicate itself into the various people. No one knows who is who. It's all about paranoia. It's, it's about uh, the fear of, of, you know, who's human and who isn't. And they do such a good job of it, too. Um, it's uh, also often taken as an allegory for the AIDS panic that came in not long after that time. AIDS there is, in fact, and, sorry, go ahead. Uh, in communism with uh, yeah, the red hair. The there's yeah, there's a, a, a poster over uh, McCready's shoulder at one point in time that says they aren't labeled chum and is basically mm-hmm. that, that same, like, you know, people who had AIDS or people who were communists, they, you couldn't tell just by looking at them. And of course, right. that's the that's the idea. Also, real quick, I had to look it up because I wanted to know. Um, uh, the Norwegian says specifically, quote, get the hell away. It's not a dog. It's some sort of thing. It's imitating a dog. It isn't real. Get away, you idiots. <laughs> nice. They spelled yeah. it out for them. If only they I had mean, one guy for word. That, that spoke Norwegian <laughs> in that movie. Well, the, the last word he says is idioter. So you would like to think they would have been like, hey, I, I, I did pick that I one up here. What's like, going on? It's like, if they call them stupid. <laughs> and, yeah. And, yeah. And, and they were too. Um, they they bring the dog in and in probably I think the most grotesque part of the film. No, it's not the most grotesque part of the film, but it's it's uh, Hunter. I, I I know for you especially this was probably the hardest scene to watch. Um, it's rough. Yeah. The, but but again, it's one of those things that in its grotesque ugliness, you have to admire the um the the skill that they had creating these things. They are. The Absolutely. art, it, it's artistic. It's like HR. Uh, I always said Geiger, Geiger, but I think it's Giger. Geiger. Um, it's, I don't Ge- know. it's Geiger. It don't matter. You know who I'm talking about. The guy that did the aliens. Uh, um, the- it's very Cronenbergian too. One of one of the things that helps me get through the, this, you know, section of the movie that you're talking about is we talked about this a little bit earlier today. The the dog actor that plays he's the the wolf dog that comes. In. Yeah, Eric, he's, he's so good. His name, his name was Jed. Uh, he was a half wolf, half Malamute. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, wow. he Carpenter himself said numerous times that he was super impressed. The dog never took more than like five takes to get any scene right, which is pretty good with an animal actor. Um, that's pretty good. Never looked directly actor. at the camera. Human yeah, actor. no kidding. Uh, never looked directly at the camera, which evidently is one of the hardest things to get an animal to do, not to focus, you know, on the lens itself, unless he was trained to do so specifically. But I think the thing that really got me and what Sarah and I were talking about was anytime that once he gets into the base and starts kind of letting go of the, the dog form, he starts acting weird. Like he yes. walks a little oddly around the hallway. Oh, yeah. He stares at when them. he stalks There's... into the into the cage and he just sits down. He just sits and while stares. While the rest of them are laying that, there, that is one of the yeah. most disturbing scenes to me. Is the way he it's just sits so there. weird. Yeah, legit. I was like just confused. It's like how do they? How did they get some a dog? To do this, like so to be this creepy, yeah, right? Yeah, it's the only thing ridiculous. I can figure because because we were speculating on that too is it must have been a really really good trainer who they looped all their lines out that you could hear this person probably in the in the ADR and they just had to go through and, and loop out their lines because I mean it is precision like the dog goes exactly where it's supposed to do does exactly what they want it to do it's wild as hell man yeah and that scene turns into one of I mean. If the head pulling off the guy is probably the most iconic scene of the film, or the 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 doctor getting his arms bitten off, uh, one of those two, the scene where the dog splits open like a fucking flower. Oh man! And starts oh, starts shooting tentacles everywhere that starts choking oh. the dogs and stuff, and it's horrific. Like this is, and yeah. like you said, this is 1982. We have movies now, horror films now that can't you know, do one tenth of, of what they did in 1982 with practical effects. Uh, it, it was yeah. absolutely insane how good the effects were in this movie and just disgusting. This, I always say that I love horror movies that don't skimp on the horror. You know, I, I really liked evil dead rise. I, I like horror films that are bloody, that aren't afraid to show the blood and gore, but it's not like the point, you know what I mean? Like, it's not exploitation, but when they go for it, they go for it. Horror movies, to me, yeah. I, I like comedy horrors, don't get me wrong. You know, I like uh, Shaun of the Dead, I like the Scream films and stuff like that, but... Well, Ghostbusters, I mean, Ghostbusters, that's 100%. Right. Oh, yeah. uh, the Hillbilly Brothers... Tucker Dale and Dale versus Evil? Tucker and Dale. Dale. Yeah, the I Hillbilly love Brothers. I, I, said, I like that, honestly. <laughs> I, think that's the, I think that's the title of the movie in Japan. It's just the Hillbilly Brothers. Um, <laughs> they got to make Donald's If you think I'm not flying to the uh, group and rename Tanner the Hillbilly Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, but yeah, I, I like horror films that you know aren't afraid to be scary and depressing and dark and violent, and this movie is that. But not only is it dark, violent, and all those things, because there's a lot of horror films that are like that, but it's intelligent. It is a smart film. It doesn't insult you. Um, the actors are all fantastic. Uh, I think this is Kurt Russell's... I, I think this is Kurt Russell's best performance, but maybe I'm biased just because I love this it's, movie. It's close, for sure. There's a lot of stuff I've really liked him in, and he did a lot oh, of Oh, shit, never mind. He did Tombstone. Never mind. Yeah, well, oh, that's yeah. The thing. around the '80s, he was doing a lot of this stuff. So he was doing this. He was doing Escape from New York, right? Um, Which I know Stephen's a big fan of because uh, Big Trouble in Little China. That was a good big one. Big Trouble in Little China, yeah, Little classic. Yeah. Um, also, Keith David's first role. I didn't know this was his first credited role. I didn't know it was his first role. I think I knew yeah. that. Yeah, that was his very first role. Because I remember uh, seeing him and almost not even realizing it was him. Sarah was going, I know this guy's voice, but I can't place his, his face. I'm like, that's because he looks too young. Iconic. You've never yep. seen him this yeah. young. <laughs> I mean, but that voice, like, just oh, yeah. cuts right through. Day one. And boy, uh, boy that is he, a killer ending. We'll get to here in a second, too, with him. Go ahead, Steven. Yeah, so I would just I like a little this little tidbit. Whenever he got the role, he uh, either hurt or broke his arm or something, and he they uh, had to put him in a cast. And most of the scenes where he's like in a heavy coat, uh, I don't know if you could see it in the movie, but he would have like an arm cast. So I think they tried to do those first. They tried to so hide that, it. Yeah, yeah, to hide yeah. it. Yeah. Um, also, really good. Yeah, in I think this he film. was worried. I think he was worried he would lose the role because of that. But well, they worked right. around it. Yeah. Thank God they didn't. Keith David is one of the best actors ever. Okay, and right. He's just amazing. Also, really mm -hmm. good in this movie. I had never seen him in a single thing ever, and he's an like, iconic actor or whatever. I'd never seen him a single performance. Um, Wilford Brimley is so yeah. good mm. as the paranoid yes. doctor. Um, <laughs> it's it's crazy how good he is in this film. Um, mm -hmm. Everyone. They want to be us. <laughs> <laughs> Such yeah. a good scene. 
everything oh, top yeah. to bottom is really really good so uh, as I said, they're trying to figure out who's who. People are getting picked off one by one. The paranoia is setting in. Um, it's it's a fantastic movie. I think before the head scene, the whole part, and Stephen did the quote earlier, the whole part where they're sitting on the couch and they're doing the blood test is uh, also one of my, I'm going to say this a lot about this film, one of my favorite scenes in a horror film. Because, again, the <laughs> tension as he's lighting up the blood one by one of who's it going to be. Because mm-hmm. everyone's acting completely normal. And then in that moment when he touches the blood and the guy starts, like, gyrating on the couch. Convulsing. Yeah. Yeah, and then he starts turning into that like horrific thing. Oh, like, oh my god, it's amazing. that whole background of that scene. Once he basically just starts eating the other guy and is like yes. slinging him around. Oh, it's I will man. I will admit the slinging around the body is a bit campy nowadays, but I mean that's still a phenomenal scene. I, th- I don't think that takes any points away from it. I still I think it's it. still I think it's still like like bothers me but i mean in a good way like it, it jolts me in a horror mm-hmm. horrific way because it is such like a jerky movement yeah. it almost looks yeah. like real and not real at the same time like, like i could buy Valley it type thing it's you can yeah, buy it. exactly yeah I, I could buy it but it's just real enough to to get my attention while being totally unreal in a way that makes me go well that's uncomfortable I think it's also worth mentioning real quick that not only was the thing such a fantastic movie, but um, it inspired so many things that came after it. Uh, One of my favorite X-Files episodes is almost a direct... I don't want to say rip-off of the thing, but I mean it's... Season 1, episode 8. Yeah. Ice. Yep. Extremely similar. And uh, yeah, the, the whole paranoia about not knowing who is who i mean you you know we saw that mm-hmm. also in invasion of the body snatchers pod people stuff like that sure but i don't think anybody did it as well as john carpenter did in this film john carpenter i think is it the last living great horror director other than like mick garris um but i know Wes craven passed away uh is yeah. toby hooper still alive i don't know we'll have to do a i don't know I if you're talking about the sources. classics yeah i mean i obviously nowadays people would bring up like jordan peele and, and of such course. but if sam you're talking raimi. about the classic guys sam oh. raimi oh well, yeah sam raimi sam raimi's still around that actually mm-hmm. i think on. the I thing is sam raimi has come to be known as uh, toby hooper died by the way in uh, okay. 2017 i was curious myself um Sam Raimi has become so uh, synonymous with superheroes at this point between Doctor Strange and Super and uh, Spider Man that y- you yeah, don't think of, of people yeah. dead quite as much. I think I, I I need to point out you mentioned Jordan Peele. I love Jordan Peele. He's a fantastic director. Uh, all of his movies I think have been really really good. Of uh, someone on Instagram I think or Twitter said that he was like the best horror director of all time and jordan Peele. oh yeah i remember this <laughs> he replied and said sorry i love your enthusiasm but i will not tolerate any john carpenter slander so even jordan right. Peele is like no man john carpenter is the guy um right <laughs> we mentioned it before not a successful film 50 and hunter of course writes up all the notes and i'm eternally thankful for him so i don't have to go check i knew uh, i knew it didn't perform well but i didn't i never except for when i did that video i, I forgot the exact numbers uh 15 million dollar yeah. budget versus 19 million dollar box office not great not a great look but would go yeah, on to become critically acclaimed and and uh, classic for what for what it's worth with those numbers and I, the the formula is always off. Nobody ever knows the exact number, but the kind of widely agreed upon deal is you need to make at least twice your budget to be profitable because usually that budget does not include marketing. Right. So yeah. it would have needed to make at least thirty million, which nowadays would be next to nothing. Of course, eighty-two inflation. There's a big difference there, but you're talking about not quite five million uh, over its budget, which is you know a quarter of it. I know a big part of the the problem with this, and, and again, you talked about earlier, you know, Carpenter feeling kind of down and out after it, considering being done with Hollywood, was that there were other movies. So so if you put this movie up against E.T. because it's a sci-fi movie, E.T. makes practically billions of dollars and it gets run over the you know raked over the coals if you put it up against horror movies which is a more fair comparison because that's what it is not just a sci-fi movie the problem isn't that the horror movies are making more money it's that they cost so little to make that's the big thing halloween small budget big box office right john carpenter himself halloween his first you know major hit probably still his most well-known you know deal 
it cost pennies on the dollar. It was less than a million dollars. It was like 750,000, I think total at the end of the day. Um, but it made an ungodly amount of money by comparison. It's that return on investment. So that ended up being probably the biggest issue. Plus again, you know, critics are lambasting it. I had to go look, it wasn't a critic who said this, but, uh, (laughs) when, when asked about it, like it was one of the, the cast members from the original version of the thing from another world in 1951. Um, one of them, when asked about this movie, basically said, if you want gore, go to a slaughterhouse. At best, it's a really good commercial for J&B Scotch whiskey. Because <laughs> 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 that's what McCready drinks through it. Like, he keeps, yeah. and they always have that label out, J&B whiskey, every time. <laughs> um, so that was, I, at least that was funny. Like, it, it's still mean, but it was funny. <laughs> I, I think the biggest problem with this film at the time, because um, E.T. came out before it, right? Or did E.T. come out after it? I forget. I'm, I'm going to go look before. just to find out. I feel like it was before, and I think that... How, that's why yeah, people how many, were so not into it. Yeah, how many <laughs> how many people went to go see this because they heard, oh, it's an alien film, and they were like, oh, we just oh, watched that one. No, it's so much worse. So E.T. actually came out after this movie. Six days after this movie. Oh! That's the problem. Oh. E.T. Oh. came out on June 11th of 1982. The Thing released on June 5th. The Thing didn't stand a chance against that movie. No offense. No, because you got to think, too, E.T. had marketing building up Marketing. So yep. you see family lovable, friendly, cuddly, toys. fun, alien, family-friendly. Drew Barrymore. And then you drop... Well, she's got her own problems now. But they didn't you know at the time. Up. We didn't know at the time. You know. <laughs> we'll talk about that tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, motherfucker of the week. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but, yeah, you've got The Thing... Uh, which I'm sure had its own marketing in, in trailers and TV commercials and stuff, but obviously there weren't toys or anything like that of it at the time going up against this. That's that's. And for the record, um, I have a motherfucker of the week tomorrow. That is so dark. That is so depressing. <laughs> I can't even you're, say it. Then you're going to want to hear why Drew Barrymore is the one that I, I picked. Yeah, because <laughs> it'll bring one, you back. This one, I'll say now, so not everybody hears it on the show tomorrow, because everyone's going to get depressed. Then we'll get right back to the show, I promise. But look this story up. It'll make you mad. Um, about a family. Oh, a family. I know where this is going. You know this story about the family rushing I, with their dog? Oh, no. This is a different thing. You told us about, maybe you told us about something last week that I was thinking yeah, was what you no, were going to say. Family, so their dog gets hit by a neighbor. They put the dog in the car. They're rushing to the vet, to hospital, to try to save it. Cops pull them over for speeding. They're begging the police, please, our dog is dying. And the dog, the cops are like, we don't fucking care. They let the dog die. It's horrible. Oh, Kill them. It's horrible. Kill them too, then. It's Fuck. fucking horrible. That's why I said I don't want to do it tomorrow God. because it's not fun. It's mm. it's depressing. No. Um, mm. Yeah. So anyway, so I'm oh. sorry. I'm sorry about that. It just it, it's been bugging me all day. It's been bugging me all day. Yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. so ridiculous. If you'd like to catch up with more news stories like this and get filled in every day, check out Philip DeFranco on YouTube. That's a cheap mm. plug for Philly D. <laughs> Back to the thing. Um, Stephen, this is part of the show where we uh, I will pr- leave it to you guys to give your thumbs up, thumbs down. The way it works is we do. Uh, if you're in the middle, it's you know thumb in the middle. If you don't like it, thumbs down. If you hate it, two thumbs down. If you like it, a thumb up. If you love it, two thumbs up. I myself said two yeah. thumbs up. I mean, yeah, you got two thumbs I, to work with. Put them wherever you want them. Wherever I mean, you want them. I don't have the camera, but it's absolutely a resounding <laughs> two thumbs up. Like, higher than yours. I don't know if what I can get yeah. No, that's fair. <laughs> you are taller than me. That's fair. Because Stephen... <laughs> Not I think at the beginning, them. everyone kind of knew oh, that yeah. Is, yeah. everything is a resounding, like... Is phenomenal movie. We, uh, I love the thing, but Steven really loves the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I don't know if I showed everyone in the chat. I need to send the picture to you. My brother-in-law, he got a really awesome uh, idea from Pinterest of the uh, blood test from that you know one of the best the best scene in the movie basically yeah blood test uh i have one made from my brother-in-law where it's like jumping out and yeah let me get a picture of oh this nice I'll be right back all right that's cool um while he's doing that um yeah Hunter. It's, it is this is i think the second time now that we're all in agreement and it's yeah it's two thumbs up this is yeah. legitimately one of my favorite horror movies um I don't know if I told you, this is a good time while Steven's doing that, to tell you the the story of how I actually saw this movie for the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Do you remember off the top of your head when the video game came out? I want to say it was 2002. 2000, yeah, yeah, it sounds It was right. on PS2, right. so that's, yes. that's, and that's what I played the right time. Yeah. So, Good I, game too. Uh, for whatever reason cuz at that time I was I was still living in New Madrid. I wasn't uh in college yet. Uh but I, I guess I had been in and out of Cape regularly around then and I pre-ordered the game and thinking it looked cool. I had never seen the movie. I just thought the game looked fun and I was like, yeah, this is cool. Like you can you you know, you got to watch it back. You got to um basically just try to survive. And I'm like that's awesome cuz I really love the Resident Evil games and everything. So came up to Cape to get it picked up my copy and I got it at EB, which I never did. I almost always got them at GameStop or I, I guess it was, uh, I think it was still Babbage's maybe at that time. Um, and they're like, Oh, it you, you pre-ordered it. It comes with a, like a pre-order gift. I'm like, Oh cool. It's like a sticker or something. Right. And they're like, no, it's a DVD copy of the movie. I was like, what? Nice. <laughs> yeah. And it that's was a, a good DVD. That's a good damn yeah. bonus. That's a yeah. great pre-order bonus, right? I paid nothing extra for it. All I did was put money down on the on the game in advance. Um, it didn't come like in a full DVD case. It was just in a little jewel case, so it, it looked like somebody had like burned it almost or stolen it. <laughs> but it was just a little a little clear jewel case, and I was like, "All right, cool." You know, I mean, I've, I've never seen the movie. The game looked cool. I'll go home and I watch it. And because <laughs> again, I was still in high school. It was the year, probably the my last year of high school. It was in the fall, I think, of two thousand two. I go home. It's a weekend, so I'm like, I'll watch the movie and I'll play the game. I get done watching the movie, and my, I remember my dad comes in and goes, what are you watching? And I may as well have just been Bart with the clown bed, like, can't sleep. Clown will eat me. Can't, can't sleep. Wilford Brimley will eat me. Like, it was horrifying. So I did end up playing the game, but it was the next day, and I waited until, like, you know, the sun was at its highest point right. to play with the lights on. Lightest, brightest time. <laughs> I also, and I might still be, I'll have to see if I can find it. Uh, at the time, I figured out something you could do in the game that wasn't like publicized. Um, you had a uh, like a like a friendship meter or like a like a you know trust meter with the the people in the game. Um, if they didn't trust you enough to do something that you needed to do, like throw a switch or whatever their specialty was, they wouldn't do it. But I found out that if you had a gun and you aimed it at them long enough, they would do whatever command you told them one time, but then their trust would be eradicated. Like, it would right. never come back up. They no longer trust you. I sent it into some random, like, you remember when cheat code websites were a thing? Yeah. And my yeah. name was, like, as of the last time I looked, it was still on the internet for that, and I'm going to see if I can find it real quick. So, while, um, while you're looking that up, I never played the game. I always wanted to. I know you guys have. It was really good. Is it is it just the movie? Like you play as McCready or how no. no, 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 uh, it's no. A sequel. Uh, oh, yeah. okay, okay. Like John Carpenter, he he came out saying, uh, like this is uh, his like, I guess version of a sequel. Like he he cons considers that the sequel to the movie. Which I'd be fine with. Again, while Hunter's looking that up, they did come out with a prequel in, I think, 2011, I want to say. Um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. There's actually uh, Joel Edgerton, I think is his name. There were, there were a couple good actors in there. Edgerton. Oh, God. That's fantastic, Steven. He just yeah, posted it in the oh, chat. I remember if I showed that you is that. very cool. No, that's very, very yeah. cool. Yeah. So Fuck Steven's yeah. the thing. Cool. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so the, the, the prequel is a good film and what really kills me about the prequel is that apparently they actually filmed it. The story I always heard is that there is a cut where they do use practical effects, but the studio wanted them to use CG because CG was, was, you know, easier to do. It was more popular at the time, especially. Well, they showed them a cut of the movie without the... So it was going to be a mixture of practical and CG. Which makes and sense. And they showed them a cut of the practical without any of the CG makeup. And they were like, this looks awful. Replace everything with CG. Because they just... Which they looked couldn't awful. See, they couldn't see the full you know, vision of it. And... Uh, this is a stupid. This is a great <laughs> chance for me to double down on something I've said forever, and that is I hate CG in films. Some films you kind of need it. Star Wars, Star Trek, that kind of thing. It's it's necessary. But the way they use CG in films nowadays is awful. I, uh, it is I great it. for you know touch ups or to enhance practical effects. They but, shouldn't be the end all be all. Yeah, because a lot of the times they will straight up just. Um, 
do the the whole movie. And I mean, some movies are actually like completely CG. Like it's just a green screen with actors in front of it, and then they put the you know I was at Hunter the Star Wars prequels were bad about that, mm-hmm. and I hate it. I absolutely yeah. hate it. Uh, thanks Star to Wars Revo- bad about that. <laughs> thanks yeah, to Revolution Game Reader, Revolution Double H. H. <laughs> and it's got my full name, which was bizarre. I don't remember sending it that way. I also don't even remember calling myself that in high school. So that's what that that threw me off. But I guess Jake did come up with it, so that makes sense. I still remember um, being at GameStop, and your uh, profile said Double A. It's two H's, idiot. Because because uh... <laughs> <laughs> because Burke had made it three. There were three H's, and I was like, I have three initials. You jackass! They're not all H's. Why would I call myself Double H if that was the case? Why would you leave the H uh, out? <laughs> um, yeah, no. Both uh, both the Star Wars uh, prequels, uh, the Hobbit movies, the Lord of the Rings movies to some degree, but really the Hobbit movies were the big um, culprits of the the constant CGI. And then recently, and I hate to say it, as much as we both kind of ended up enjoying the Flash, the DC movies, especially Marvel's, not great about it sometimes either. But man, the DC universe yeah. is just green screen left and right. That's no joke. I saw I saw the trailer for Aquaman um, because I've never seen the first Aquaman. I don't really have an interest in it, but I love Jason Momoa yeah. as Aquaman. Um, but when I watched the trailer for the new one, I thought, "Oh my god, could you put yeah. any more CG in there, please?" Um, <laughs> By the time we it, got to the end of the first one, it was just like a fever dream. I remember watching it, going, "I mean, did anybody ever act in this, or did they just paint this whole thing?" Like, what what am I looking at now? Uh, one of the more recent films that I was surprised had more like practical sets and stuff: uh, Dungeons and Dragons. With Chris yes. Pine. I thought he said I, I thought he said I practical think it was a sex. fantastic movie. It was a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> if they had that in there, I missed that scene. Uh, I don't uh, remember that one. And then on the opposite of that, Barbie was a lot of Barbie was very CG'd, but it worked because it was trying to create it that made sense. Yeah, that alternate yes. world dreamlike quality. But for a movie like The Thing, it's so gritty and and kind of based in reality. To to yeah. see all the CG nonsense they put in that that prequel uh, was yeah. was bad. That's what was great about the practical effects in the in the I keep saying original, but I buy original obviously the in the eighty two one yeah. we're talking about. Yeah, it, it what was great about the practical effects was that they felt real even when they were extremely unreal. Yeah, that's what's so horrifying about it is I'm not watching it going, oh, that could really happen, but it looks like it's really happening, and that's what bothers. <laughs> and so I'm, yeah. and that's what's bothersome. Yeah, yeah. CGI. Yep. I'm gonna look at it and go, ah, okay, okay. that looks impressive, but no part of me thinks of that why I would ever be in that situation. Yeah, that's, I think one that's of the, the thing with horror is. Uh, sorry, Steve, I just want to get this out before I forget yeah, it because so, I'm drinking while we do the show. Um, <laughs> it, it, my favorite kind of horror is when you take a realistic situation and you introduce something unrealistic into it, but still still looks realistic that's what makes yeah. horror scary um it, it's the unknown it's it's that 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 creepiness that like what nightmare is unfolding before me and i don't think you get that quality when you use cg oh man no, you say that there is a movie i if you guys haven't seen it yet i should think would be fantastic for this show uh annihilation seen it with good natalie Portman. yeah good movie oh, yep love that movie but yeah back to what i was gonna say i I think one of the best use of CG and the most, like, I think one of the most disturbing parts of the movie uh, of where the Blair thing uh, just sticks his fingers into the guy's face. Uh, the guy's face. Oh I forget his god. name. Oh my god. Uh, the way uh. they did that shot, uh, they reversed it. So they already had the prosthetic hand, like, you know, face and all yeah. that, his hand in there, and they just filled him, like, pulling it out, and then they just reversed the Yeah, film. that was and a terrible scene, because that that, in a good way. <laughs> oh, good, yes. Yeah. And then uh, the next shot, you see his, like, hand just engulf his whole head and yeah. just drag oh. the body, showing that Ugh. he doesn't need uh, to be hidden to assimilate them anymore. Oh, it's so good. So the only, it's not something I disliked about the film, because there's not much I dislike about this film. It can be a little slow at times, um, especially in the beginning. It can be a it, little slow. Well, but, but it's even building in the attention. beginning, it just starts like really strong, and then, yeah, you get the downtime right. with the crew and all yeah. that, which you kind of need that. Cause yeah, you want to care about the characters. You, yeah. Uh, but there is okay. one character, and I forget his name, um, he's the young African American, the cook, I believe, and he—if you—if you notice—he yeah. just disappears. 
He's just gone. They they don't show what happens to him, and they don't say mm-hmm. what happens to him. Um, I think I read there was a deleted scene where you saw him die, but it didn't make the film. So that dude literally just disappears. He goes. Yeah, up, that's the, yeah even yeah, even in the description really. I put here for the ending, it literally it's Nalls is who we were talking about uh, earlier yeah. earlier, and it says the Blair thing kills Gary and Nalls disappears. <laughs> just disappears. Uh, so let's let's yeah. let's get into the ending there. So they they trap the thing, which at this point has become like a. It kind of reminds me if you guys have ever played or if you're listening, if you ever played Final Fantasy VI, the final fight with Kefka, where he's just this yeah. giant form with different bodies coming out of him. That's kind of what it is. Yep. Uh, you Amalgamation see, of stuff yeah you see the dog you see like some of the characters heads in there it's disgusting and um mccready ends up blowing it up with a stick of dynamite destroying the thing and the station which you know that's probably the most cliched thing in the movie you know the big explosion yeah fuck you too right but that's funny (laughs) you know it's a great line (laughs) he he didn't have a one-liner he's like yeah fuck you too (laughs) yeah he didn't try to be clever he didn't try to like make a pun he's like he was done with this shit yeah uh it kind of it kind of reminds me of the Evil Dead, the re, not the sort of a remake Rise. at the end. Uh, no, no, no. The, oh, the, see, I'm thinking of Rise because they had the the whole you know the big amalgamation of things, and then she just slowly shoves them. Oh, into the little which chair. was which was fantastic too. But in in yep. the 2013 Evil Dead, um, I think the, the girl Jane Levy, I think is her name. She just says swallow something like swallow this motherfucker, and just like sticks the the fucking chainsaw into its mouth and chainsaws it down. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he just says "fuck you too" and throws the dynamite, and kills him. <laughs> um, so at that point, Childs, who's played by Keith David, finds McCready, and they just sit there looking at each other, and they're like, "What do we do now?" And he says, "You know, let's just uh, let's just sit here a while, see what happens." And they just drink, and that's how the movie ends. And that has been yeah. one of the most uh, talked about and, con- and and contested endings of all time because there's a belief that one of them is the thing. Um, the obvious answer being Childs, but if you notice, I, Childs still has his earring, um, mm-hmm. and and famously the thing cannot replicate metal and stuff like that. That's why they were checking with the fillings and stuff, right? And that's yeah, like yeah. in the in the in the prequel they did a similar thing. It was very clever when she figured out that the guy wasn't who he said he was. So it looks like they both probably just froze to death in the end. Because they they just sat out there. <laughs> to, well, depending on which well, the, you go with, well, that that is the game. that is the question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah because th- this is the perfect show. I'm sorry, this is the perfect movie for this show, right? Because that's how that's how we we end up wrapping the thing up is basically what happens. What happens, what happens after, after, the after credits. those credits? Yeah. Um, so, I'll I'll start real quick, and I would say that uh, realistically. Realistically, I think that neither of them are the thing. Clearly, I don't think it was McCready because he killed the thing. I don't think it's Childs because he still had the earring. I would say they probably did sit there until they were close to death, and then I would assume they would get up and they would go start a fire. I think those those two are resourceful enough that they probably survived. Um, they got out, and whether or not they told anybody about what happened, because nobody would probably believe them, um, I don't know. I, I feel like if they had, it would be kind of like what we had like today with the aliens down in Mexico where they would present this, <laughs> hey, two, you know, two of uh, station people co- survived this horrible thing and claim that an alien from another world possessed everybody and everybody be like, yeah, oh, whatever, fucking, you know, uh, what was the name of that old news oh, publication? Mean- that had like Bat Boy on the cover and shit like that. Oh, uh, Weekly National, World Publishing. Yeah, and National Enquirer is what I'm thinking of. I yeah, think. and that too. Yeah, yeah. it would be that. Yeah, yeah fucking McCready well, would be and- on the cover of National Enquirer saying <laughs> the thing from another planet, a thing from the world, killed my friends. <laughs> there's there's some some other cut stuff that I wanted to mention that I put down in the trivia that that uh, kind of supports that because there was a point in time where John Carpenter and Kurt Russell came up with a backstory for McCready. He was this disgraced former Vietnam uh, helicopter pilot and it wasn't that he was disgraced by the service, he felt disgraced by having been in the war uh, so he had PTSD, he was an alcoholic he was had a severe insomnia and it ended up, they filmed it but it didn't make it into the movie, it also explains or gives a little context to when uh, Childs says something about you know, you're going to have to sleep sometime, McCready when he's holding him back and he goes, I'm a real light sleeper, Childs <laughs> he's 
apparently alluding to that bit. And so, I mean, yeah, if he comes out and, and says, you know, no, there's a, there's, there's an alien and it's trying to kill us all, blah, blah, blah. Then they're going to go, Oh yeah. You mean the guy who flew the helicopters in Vietnam? <laughs> that? No, the hell you say. It's, it's that clip of a young, uh, of, of a young Joe Biden picturing, McCready in a wheelbarrow being wheeled off to the same asylum going, la, la, right. la, la, la. <laughs> Fruitcake. <laughs> All right. Steven, what do you think? What happens after the credits? You have, have, tell us first off, like, what is the official explanation for what after, after the credits? Because you definitely have dived into, like, the extended universe well, more dude, than me. So, I, know, yeah, I know that it's like, depending on which version, because that's what he was talking about earlier. Yeah, so I believe with John Carpenter, he did enjoy this uh, story and like you know John Carpenter is a gamer I'm sure he played the thing on PS2 or whatever console and just he, PS2 just PS2 whatever <laughs> but he uh, I thought it was on Xbox he does too. <laughs> consider that as the true sequel but I still like the uh, the comic books uh, the thing from another world and then uh, the sequel series um, climate of terror and all that so um, basically, you know, him and Childs, they were, as you said, both not infected. And uh, for some reason, they decide not to stay with the fire, or at least they stayed with the fire uh, until it burned out. And they went out to try and get help or whatever. And then uh, I, I just like the whole setup in the situation. Instead of just a small research outpost, it's an entire platoon that the thing can just ravage and, you know, destroy. And, of course, there are some interesting points or, you know, considerations they took with the source material, with, like, how the thing replicates and, you know, how fast it can take over. But I still think that is a way better way to go with the story because again with horror you got to get bigger and better and it's it's hard to keep something scary for a long time so yeah. you kind of have to go with what alien did and just become an action movie and that's kind of how the comics went they still had that little like paranoia of who's real and who's the thing but i think the story that they told in those comics i think would be fantastic to like get filmed and to show on the screen so yeah i, I kind of like it that way I, I agree with that that's a good statement to make it is hard to keep a story scary after like the initial investment um mm -hmm. i think you can keep this uh more interesting and like get some more horror out of it way longer than some things but again you kind of have to lean more towards the action side of things at some point or something completely different I can only think of one horror series that stayed with horror and stuck with horror, except for one. <laughs> so the Evil Dead. I've said the Evil Dead has <laughs> never made a bad. They've never made a bad uh, anything. Some of the games were kind of questionable, but the movies have always been good. Um, the first Evil Dead film was straight up horror. It was low budget horror, but it was still horror. It wasn't very funny. The second one was more of a mixture. It was still horror, but they had a lot of slapstick. Yeah. Um, yeah. Army of Darkness was straight up slapstick, and then. That seemed to be the direction they were going in, was that funny, tongue-in-cheek kind of thing. But then the Evil Dead remake, or reboot, or whatever you call it, in uh, 2013, completely flipped it and went back to horror. Straight up horror. Um, Ash vs. Evil Dead, of course, dipped even harder into comedy with a lot of blood and gore. And then Evil Dead Rise went back to straight up horror. There's not a lot of comedy in that movie either. So I think evil dead has done a good job of keeping its horror story actually scary. Whereas, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, sorry, Tanner, if you're listening to this, I know you love a lot of these series like Friday, the 13th, it, it fell off the rails eventually and became just a, a, a sexploitation horror. Basically. Um, even nightmare, uh, on Elm street, which is one of my absolute favorite series of all time. Once you get past number two, it's just comedy at that point until Wes Craven's new nightmare. It's just a comedy. Um, even the Halloween 
Halloween went from being really, really, you know, kind of scary and and dark in the first two films, and then Season of the Witch came out and kind of I love Season Season of the Witch for the record, but it, it kind of broke the pattern. And after that, the movies were almost laughable up until the remake a couple of years ago, and then even that went off the rails and became stupid by the time two and three rolled out. So it's hard to keep a scary story scary long enough because once people know the gimmick, it's not scary anymore. Um, yep. And, and and I think James Cameron did the best he could when he turned Aliens into an action movie, like you said. That was just uh, makes the most sense to me. Yeah, you can't scare people forever. You got to come up with new things. Um, Hunter, what about you? What do you? What say you? All right, so let me hit you with something totally different. And I don't know that this is necessarily what I prefer or believe, which is what we normally do. I think I, I'm also kind of on the the side of, especially if you. Um, taking into consideration some of the other other stuff being canon. I mean, I don't remember if Steven said it specifically, but because it's going to be almost impossible for you to play the video game, the thing right now, since it's not available on anything but older systems, uh, RJ McCready is at the end of the game. All right, well, I just spoiled it. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) He's 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 trying to make a little bitch. (laughs) (laughs) So... So yeah, I mean, he shows up to to help the the player character with some stuff there. So is it is it Kurt Russell out or is it just somebody? I don't know that they even have a voice for him. Do you remember Stephen? I, I, I don't think know that he, he had a anything. line. I'm pretty sure he had. Yeah, a line. I, also I, I was bet wrong. they got an impersonator. Yeah, I, I bet they got an impersonator because he basically it's just it, the story doesn't really evolve him at all until this guy's having a deal with a giant thing again, and as he's flying this helicopter and he gets a surprise, you know, help from somebody who is a helicopter pilot, and come to find out it's R.J. McCready. Um, but anyway, anyway, let me. So, and, and by the so way, Shannon, that, that game is set three months after the movie. Important enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, okay. so. Um, Shannon said that you know, the, the speculation is, is one of the two of them at the end, Childs or McCready, uh, a thing or both of them the thing or, or neither of them the thing. And then you landed on neither one of them being that. Um, I think an interesting take is that by the end of the movie, they both are. And here's why. I know that sounds weird, but bear with me. Um, <clears throat> the most commonly accepted theory is that Childs is, in fact, uh, part of the thing at this point right he disappears for a really flimsy excuse oh i saw blair run off and i went looking for him he comes back with no explanation other than that um somebody for a long time i think there was a a strong speculation that when they're both laying there like kind of breathing that you can't see child's breath but you can see Mm -hmm. uh mccready's and that was like oh because he's not producing steam you know or or, you know vapor that's that shows he's a thing but that's not true because the guy who dies first out in the snow on his knees when they catch him on fire he's breathing steam um Mm -hmm. Not to mention it was just super cliche at that time. And Keith David himself said it in an interview, uh, you know, the black guy dies first, right? And and he was one of two black guys in the cast and, and the he could have been, you know, one of the first one to go. Right, right. So a much better and more interesting and yet ultimately more depressing ending to me goes something like this. McCready has actually been infected for a very long time. Um, when specifically it happens is not clear. I know there was some speculation if this is – if this – you know, is the theory you go with sometime around the time they come back from the downed UFO. Um, but he's the one who infects Blair. And remember that they, it only gets mentioned briefly in passing. They don't have to assimilate or infect you by, you know, shoving their hands into your face or getting blood all over you. All it has to be is one little thing. They mentioned at one point in time, um, from now on, everyone needs to eat canned food, have your own drinks, etc. McCready passes that fucking J&B scotch bottle around all over the place. And at one point in time, he drinks, sets it down in front of Blair. Blair drinks it too. Not long afterward, Blair's infected. Now, that does set up a lot of inaccuracies, right? Because McCready tests his blood. It doesn't do it. But he's the one in charge. He could easily have moved those things around or gotten the wrong blood. We also don't see him take his own blood. So that happens off screen. And there's no way that the other characters let him do that without seeing it. Um, why does he fight the giant Blair thing underneath the the structure and then blow it up? Because they're the only two there. Well, number one, he could be acting under the presumption that he could be being watched. He doesn't know where Childs is. Um, and number two, the Blair thing is fully blown insane at that point. And the two of them, if we assume that they're both part of the thing, recognize or he recognizes that that the the Blair version um, will not get the rescue at once. Right? Yeah, remember, remember it's McCready. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. No, it's McCready who puts the theory out that, okay, it destroyed the power generator because it wants to hibernate and go into sleep until someone or something comes to rescue it. But he's talking about himself. He wants that to happen to himself. He wants to, you know, basically freeze over until someone comes to rescue him. Not to mention, McCready's in power for an awful lot of the movie. Wouldn't you want to be the one leading the charge against the... I mean, that that's just werewolf. That's just a classic game of werewolf. If you're oh, the one, or, you're or the Among accuser. Us, I mean, yeah. for the more... Yeah, for, for the for the younger audience, for, uh, Among Us, if you're the, the, the villain, you're going to be the first one to speak yep. and say, oh, I know exactly who it is. I'll take care of this. I'll lead the charge. <laughs> So here's the theory. At the very end, Childs comes back. McCready thing realizes that he hasn't gotten rid of everybody, but he's got to play this cool. So he thinks, I'll just make it sound like we're both going to sit here and freeze to death. Drinks a bottle of scotch and hands it over. Importantly, to add to this, when Childs takes a drink of the scotch, that's when Ennio Morricone's, uh, or Morricone, I can't remember how his name is pronounced. Um, when, the, when the score, that's when it kicks in. That low, like, dun, boom, dun. Yeah, it only happens as soon as he tips up the which, bottle. And what happens when he hands it back? McCready smiles. Which, by he the way, I, I know this is off topic for a second, but uh, the score in the film is incredible. Not just this film, unfucking believable. John man. Carpenter, Morcone, like his well, films so, so, are scored so well. And it's usually John Carpenter who does it, but right. he didn't do this one again. He got, I think his name is pronounced Ennio Morricone. Anyway, he he did. Uh, a ton spaghetti of western spaghetti western. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Quentin Tarantino's a big fan of him. Yep. Yeah. yeah. He used he used some of the original score of the thing in the Hateful yep. Eight because similar story. So. Eh. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Kurt yeah. Russell. <laughs> I, I think but, it's uh, uh, also interesting to mention real quick that in the original uh, in the original script the screenplay both McCready and Childs were assimilated in the end. Um, but Carpenter walked it back and said, "No, that's too shallow." They, he thought that was that was too. Uh, yeah. it, it wasn't a good ending, so they left it more. Well, there, there was also there was also a, uh, if I remember correctly, even a, a filmed version that they. I don't know if it ever went to test audiences or not. Um, where McCready wakes up the next day, gets rescued by a helicopter. He's the only one left. Childs was indeed a, a thing and uh, died. I don't remember how. Um, and it, that was kind of like the good guy ending, and they were like, yeah, "So it's almost saccharine after such a uh, you know violent and gory movie that yeah, the ambiguous ending ends up being the best one." But I do sort of love that there are points you can put into place to make the McCready has been infected for a long time, and that he passes it on to him theory work. Right. I don't love it as an ending. I think it's way too fucking bleak. Um, but I do think it's very cool. <laughs> also, oh I'm, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Stephen. Oh, I'm just agreeing with him. Uh, I prefer that, you know, there's not a definite answer, but there is evidence that, you know, you can tie to your own theories. And, yep. You know, any you one of those really sense. works. Yeah. yeah. I Go. I knew this was a thing and I had to look it up because um, I couldn't remember which movie it was, but it's Slither, which is James Gunn, Slither. Um, mm-hmm. In that film, I don't know if you caught it, Stephen, if you've seen that movie, but the funeral home in Auctioneer is called R.J. McCready's funeral home uh and auctioneers uh, nice oh. now whether that's a nod or he's insinuating something i don't know but maybe mccree oh, survived I'm, I'm... and opened up a um <laughs> i don't know it's uh, james gunn i'm sure it was a nod because i think there are other things in that movie that it's been so long since i've seen slither but i feel like he did a lot of that in that movie yeah no it makes sense um yeah and uh that's it that's the show oh Steven yeah. has more <laughs> um, I'm just saying we need to play the board game uh, Infection at Outpost 31 he's been trying to get us to play that board game forever we're going to have to do it at some point he's going to stop being do friends it. with us uh, Hunter next, uh, next party we you mm-hmm. host that's what I'm bringing over Halloween party coming up I know uh, Zach Kirkus oh, yeah. really wants to play his uh, his scream game too so Ooh, okay yeah, I'll make a night of it. Um, well, hey, before we get out of here, first off, thank you, Stephen, for coming in and uh, doing the thing. It's always fun. I like being on. <laughs> it has two meanings: <laughs> doing um, the thing and, and doing the thing. At the beginning <laughs> of the show, Hunter, you said just to give a little preview for our Halloween adventures on extras and epilogues. Uh, you mentioned we were going to have some special episodes. Uh, go ahead, let's reveal yes. that. 
I'd love to. So I'm not going to say like a specific order because we haven't gotten that far into nailing this down. But we are basically we have two weeks and then we're into our Halloween episodes because we have the 20th and the 27th and then October 4th is the the first one. So over the course of uh, Halloween month, over the course of October, we will be reviewing Ghostbusters, bringing Cody Sandusky back into the mix. Um, we're also at some point in time going to bring uh, new new to this show, but not new to the show, uh, Shelby Chan on talk about Beetlejuice. Beetle- uh, and and honestly, I may even sit that one out and let you, Lindsay, and Shelby do it because <laughs> I'm not nearly oh, as cool. big of a fan yeah. as they are. Yeah, yeah, I could do that. Um, we also have on that lineup for the month because I knew that Lindsay would probably want to have her own uh, Hocus Pocus. We'll do something a little lighter, so yeah. uh, classic, classic Disney Halloween. Yep. Um, well, if I could talk my wife into doing that, that'd be great. I'll never get her on here, but she would love to talk about that. I'll think. talk to her. I'll um, talk to her. <laughs> and then uh, we haven't nailed the movie down, uh, but obviously we we can't go the whole month without having Tanner on here. I think he'd kill the both of us. He would um, probably in our sleep. Now, my suggestion for him was either the shining but that was mostly personal just because i really love the shining same uh or or scream i think scream would also be a good one um the only reason i trained it i think more toward the shining other than than uh personal preference is that it would be like really the only horror movie because all three others are either you know horror comedies um or uh well i guess they're all horror comedies actually <laughs> um scream scream would also be kind of a i mean it's a slasher uh it's a little more, you know, in that same vein, Shining's a little more of a straightforward horror. Tanner also might just really want to do like a Friday the 13th movie. I don't know. Oh, he um, absolutely would. Yeah. We'll but I, I, I do think, I do think we'll have to have him in. So just pencil one in as the Tanner Calvert episode of the Halloween uh, extras and epilogues. Um, but yeah, bunch of stuff lined up. And I mean, hell, we might, we might get started early. Maybe in a couple of weeks, we'll start throwing those in and get you, get you prepped for fall. And then Shannon, you said you had one you wanted to do to, to round that month out too. I did. Uh, my favorite horror film of all time. Um, if it's not the thing, it's definitely this one. And it's one we haven't done on the show before. And I've talked about it before, obviously, but I'd love to get in depth about it. An American werewolf in London is Ooh. is is to me yeah. the pinnacle of horror not just horror but comedy horror uh directed by john landis it is um it's the best werewolf movie of all time hands down probably uh ab- definitely above everything else i think the only thing that comes close to me other than that would be probably be the howling um maybe ginger snaps one of those i think that would be fun to do too there's too many good horror films we might actually just make october just um plays um Halloween tales and um, just extras and epilogues. We'll just do fucking movies all month long. Yeah. If you remember correctly, yeah, a couple I years mean, ago, we did trivia all month long and it broke friendships. I think this would be safe. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is true. We also need to figure out what we're doing for plays. If Cody wants to continue Curse of Strahd or if we're going to do a one shot. I think we need to do a one shot. I think we need to do a one shot. We need to bring back uh, the, the Horrors of Perryville. That's always a good Halloween treat. I'm, I'm here for it, man. I just got to start looking. All right. That's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you guys for tuning in to Extras and Epilogues, uh, talking about The Thing, the greatest sci-fi horror film of all time. Um, Definitely above, but I want to mention Event Horizon. I'll never stop singing the praises of that film. Hunter, have you ever seen Event Horizon? I have. It has been many, many, many years, but I have seen it. I I couldn't sit here and remember scenes from it off the top of my head, but I remember it, and it was horrifying. That is the one. Steven, have you seen seen Event Horizon? I know what happens. That's one I like watch reviews of, so I do need to watch that one. I have I will it. Probably I'll probably let it. you borrow it. Um, okay. Yeah, it's fantastic. That is one that absolutely needs a director's cut because Hunter, if you remember, there's a scene where they crack the code on this video of what happened to the crew of the Vent Horizon, and it's this horrible mm-hmm. scene of murder and like bloody sex. It's horrible. But apparently, there's a director's cut that's even more extended, and it was so graphic they had to cut it. So I would love Ugh. to see that print. But anyway. That is going to do it for us tonight. We'll be back tomorrow with an all-new After Dark. Go check out last night's plays. Go check out our interview with Damone Salavino from the Netflix series Wrestlers. Um, it was a great, fantastic show. We'll be back tomorrow with After Dark. Thank you, Stephen, for being on. Thank you, Hunter, for being on, obviously. We'll check you guys later. Stephen, I always give this uh, this to the person who is here. Well, actually, should we have him decide the next movie we do? That's what we do, right? Well, that, that is the idea, but I think we just piled so many on that, I mean, you could just That's expect true. one of the names we just That's said. Was pro- again, we're probably <laughs> just going to get started early in Let's September. Let's just get started. So. don't matter. I'll it's- just throw my suggestions <laughs> out. It's fine. September is pre-Halloween. It's the warm-up party. <laughs> we're tailgating. All right, Stephen, uh, until then, we're out of here. Stephen, take us out.
Nobody trusts anybody anymore, and we're all very tired. <laughs>